Okay, good morning. Wonderful to see everybody back again. We're up to our next stage in the Jewish lifestyle. Notice that there's really important times in the Jewish life which cluster around certain times. Birth, and then and a lot of, there's bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah, but then there's like the next real stage is sort of marriage, and there's like a lot of stuff going on over there. So we're at the next stage. We're moving from engagement to that week before, and the week before now we're at the stage of the Shabbos Kala and the Afrof. So there's a lot to talk about over here. I want to say a special shout out to Suri Stern, who is sponsoring our series of learning together as we prepare for this. So we get into this, this idea called an Afrof, and you say to yourself, well, what does an Afrof itself actually mean? Like, so we, we, we have this practice, but that doesn't sound very biblical, does it? Like the, the word Afrof. In fact, it isn't. It is a Yiddish word. And the word Afrof itself actually means to call up. Off roof, right? So is, is a way to do Does anybody know any other terms for it? There are other names for this practice. Does anybody know what they are? It's actually an interesting, uh, interesting little uh, Jewish tidbit. Um, some people call this the Spielholz. That was what was, uh, well, uh, sorry, the, uh, the, the Spinholz, which was, uh, see, some people say, well, it sounds like actually a spindle spinning party that doesn't seem to sit right. So um, some people suggest that um, I saw about Arya Kaplan in his footnotes of his book Made in Heaven says that it means from the word Sheben Alatz, which is a Hebrew word that Sheben Alatz is that the sun is rejoicing, Shvenhaltz, which sort of turned into a Yiddishized version of this. You do see these kind of things where you have, um, where you have Yiddish words which are actually really Hebrew words. Um, for, in- for instance, um, one of the famous Jewish um, expressions of music is kletzmer, right? What is kletzmer? Klezemer, right? So it's like it's originally a Hebrew word which kind of, you know, became Yiddishized and you forgot where it originally came from. So the Shvenhaltz, the Shebena Alatz, maybe could have been one of those as well. But beer as a may, it is a, a practice of uh, a practice of, the chi- uh, of a of a of a, uh, the the young man, the groom getting ready for the, for the um, the wedding. Where does this come from? So the way that this comes from, uh, to me, is a very meaningful background. Actually, is the this is recorded in the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer and is recorded in Maseches Soifrim, a very very uh, profound practice that used to be at the times of the base of Migdash. So this is why it does go back quite a while, and it describes that um, when Shlomo Melech constructed the base of Migdash. This now this goes back therefore to first temple, not the second temple. Okay, so we know that the halacha the, the is, Yecheskel talks about this um, in, in the end of Sefer Yecheskel. We actually read the Torah yesterday, was Tetzaveh from Sefer Yecheskel and the Mems, which is where he talks about the base of Megdash. We r- rarely get to read the Torah on Pashas Tetzaveh because usually it's Zachar. This year as a, as a leap year, we got to read it. So in the, that area in Yecheskel, he describes a practice, which is that we enter the base of Megdash in one gate and leave another gate. That's the way that practice is supposed to be. Now, just to clarify that, that did not mean to say that a person needed to get, you know, from this side of Jerusalem to that side of Jerusalem, so they needed to take a shortcut. That's not allowed. You're not allowed to take a shortcut for the holy areas. What it means is, is that when a person entered the precinct of Mezzavigash, you should already, you should leave through a different, a different exit. And part of that is, is not to habituate the experience. So it's not that you're just... You know, I'm used to, um, this, this is my place, this is, uh, I talk in the same way I talk in my house, in the, way I, in the base of English, it's meant to be, or I mean that it's new, it means to be out of sync, but it's also meant to be that you see different aspects of the base of English as well. So in the gates that Shlomo Melech set up, he set up a gate called the Shar Chasanim and the Shar Avelim, where um, he des- uh, it's described that the, the, those who were about to get married or those who are experiencing a loss 
that week, I, I would s- stand by those gates or sit by those gates. And as people would go in and out to the base of Migdash, they would wish the tidings related to that, that, that Akash Baruch Hu, who is, rests his Shekhinah on this place, meaning the house, should give you blessing and should give you Tanchumim, which I think always gives me a very profound perspective of the, the, the idea of Hamakom Yenachem which is the Ashkenazi practice. It relates to Akash Baruch Hu as the omnipresent, always very hard to understand, where Akash Baruch Hu in the sense of place, what is interesting about it is, is it relates to that practice, which is the Hakadosh Baruch Hu, who is Mashre Hishchina in that place, should give you that tiding. That's what seems to be said, and um, and then the the the, the midrash or the Masechah Sofer carries on to describe Mishachar of Beis Hamikdash when we no longer have the Beis Hamikdash, Hiskinu Shiyu Hachasanim Vaavelim Boim Lekneses Kedai Ligmolohem Chesed. So when that was de- destroyed, so what happened? is the Migdash Ma'at, the Shul, became the place in which we are able to give the Chesed to those going through those tidings. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the grooms to praise them and to escort them to their houses. And they, he describes that after Musaf, after the davening on Shabbos, then the community, so to speak, would envelop the, the, the Avel and make them feel welcome before they would say Kaddish. Very beautiful practice. We have that practice when? On Friday night. On Friday night, so that, that, the, the practice of an Avel coming into Shul and uh, saying, is sort of the, the vestigial, um, uh, you say, why should it be then? So the truth is that's when da- Friday night davening used to begin. That's when Shabbos was, was, was accepted when people said, All the extra stuff, you know, all that new stuff from 500 years ago, Rav Alkabetz um, and the, and the, 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 you know, the six Mizmorim and Lechadotti, that's great, but that's all like new, right? So we put it at the time that this, this, this predated the, the, the Tzvat version of Friday night. And so that's where it sort of it, it lives as we welcome in. Ironically for us, by that time it's really late. But in those days, they would start Shabbos earlier. So they would, to, as the, the Mizmoshir, the Yom HaShabbos would be their time of acceptance of Shabbos when it wasn't yet sunri- sunset. So it was, that was Tosef Shabbos. That was when they would, they, they would do it. We're, we're a little more uh, finely uh, tuned to our uh, um, uh, watching how much time we've been wasting and how much shul is taking our time. But, uh, but in those days, it would be a, it would be a much longer process. To, to doing this, and that it would be when the, the Avil would be welcomed, which is actually more, more technically correct, by the way, because you're not supposed to wish Nechumim on Shabbos in, this, in the same way, um, so that it would be preceding the Shabbos. But nonetheless, that, this is the way it is, which is, very, by the way, a very beautiful thing, which means that individual experience is experienced as a community. We, 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 we always sort of stretch ourselves that it's experienced as a community. I remember it was so profound, somebody, somebody just in the community just went to Israel, for, uh, to bury a, to bury a parents. And the one thing he said was it was overwhelming how many people came to the funeral on the Shiva for a few hours. And he, and he said, the friends I get, he says, but the people who weren't in my immediate group was what was amazing. He said, people who, like the people who, who, who like aren't my little, little cohort. And like, you know, and, and th- that's precisely what community is, is that when you go beyond just your buddies, 
That's that. That's that, and that's what this is supposed to be. Is that's what the base Hamikdash was, and that's what a shul is meant to be. Is like a bigger grouping, and that's the same thing that the way we experience simcha as well is supposed to be. Is that when people come together as well. So what do we do at the afterwards? The most simple thing, of course, is for the young man who's about to get married to get an aliyah. The afterwards, so he gets he gets the aliyah in shul, and um, and in fact, if you look at the what's called kadima in the aliyah, so. If anybody's interested, actually, the article sitter has this at the back. It's very helpful. It's based on the Bir Alacha, and it's based on the number, uh, number of practices. But if you get the back of every article sitter, they do a really great job of um, um, summarizing a lot of the halachas. So if anybody's ever uh, wants to spend time doing this, it's really worthwhile looking. And at the back of the sitter, they have, in the halachas of, of Kriya Torah, they have Chiyuvim La'aliyos. Who's supposed to get a aliyah? And he, he gives the core source. He quotes the Morgan Avram and Arachim, Simon Resh Pei Beis, and so on. It's a very long list. And the first Aleph, number one, for those Gabayim in the room is Chasan B'yom Chupaso Yesh Kedima Lakol. So the first is, let's say it is a, a, a man is getting married that day. So let's say it is a Monday morning, right? And, and th- that day, not a winter day, but that day, a summer day, he's getting married in the evening. He would get gets the Aliyah before anybody else. And number two is Chasan B'Shavah Shlifnei Chasan Masayim. So it'll be the Shabbos before he gets married. Uh, gets married. And that is that is the, the in the Kedima. Yes. That's based on the the Magen Avraham later. Yes, you're right. Because that's what how Yes, exactly. So the Sfaradim did not have this practice, but you'll see, you'll notice that the Magen Avraham talks about talks about this, and he quotes quoting a lot of the Sifrei Maharil. I mean, I gave Maharil. Ironically, you know where a lot of these halachas are found. Ironically, are in Hilchas Tishabav as well. There's some of them are found in Hilchas Kriyasa Torah, and some of them are found in Hilchas Tishabav. Why in Hilchas Tishabav? Because in Tishabav, they say, well, how do you celebrate certain things on Shabbos Chazon? That's where it happens to be like a lot of the concentration of the halachas. Are you allowed to wear new clothes? What kind of party are you allowed to have at Shabbos Chazon? Because why is that so important? Is because so many people get married right after Tishabav. And so therefore, their afraf would be on Shabbos Chazon, if that's the constellation, the way things fall out. That's where the Maharil and the Magen Avram talk about all these things. So it just happens to be an interesting place, again, sort of that convergence of Avelos and, uh, and Simcha. But yes, it is a later day practice and it's based on a lot of Ashkenazic practice, seems to be the, where it comes from as well. Um, why should, the, uh, why should he, uh, a, a Chazon get an Aliyah? So there are many interesting practices, but I, uh, I came across a very, very beautiful observation in the Midrash Talpiyos. This is a Midrash, it's a Sefer, which was written about 600 years ago, uh, on, uh, based on, uh, it, seems, uh, it seems, earlier sources. And listen to this, this observation it's in, on page 3, the top of the page. It says, Pirke de Rebbe Eliezer, Havio Yalkut in the Shoftim. He says, Hachasan Dome Lemelech. It says, this is the old script, because this is the only version I found. Is, uh, it says a, a chatan, or is, a, is similar to a king. Ma melech makal sinasai avchasan calls you may shivas mishteh. So you, you, you praise a, 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 a groom just like you praise a king. Ma melech lovish big day kavod avchasan kain you. He wears clothing of honor. Ma melech mishteh v'simcha lefon of kol yamim. It goes through all these things. Look at the next paragraph. There's like, and it goes on and on and on. But in the middle of it, it says ma melech poseach yodol letztaka avchasan kain. Person should give charity like a king. Machasan kosa beis sifrei Torah. A king is expected to write two sifrei Torah. So this is chasan noagim lekros the sefer Torah beis pa'amim chad b'shabes korem achupa v'chad b'shabes la'achar achupa. Is that interesting? So there's this notion of writing two sefer Torah. Now, a regular a regular person is supposed to write a sefer Torah in their life. If a person has this chutz to be able to do this, but a, a a a king has to have two. Now you say to yourself, why two? 
Is that like excessive? Why, why does he have to have two? So the one is he has, but the other one he carries with him the whole time. And it's because, in a certain sense, it relates to power. Right? It relates to power is that a king has so, much, so many powers. You have to make sure that to regulate those powers, it's, it's, people get corrupted by, by, by power. And if you think about this, sort of like the headiness, the overwhelmingness of getting married on both sides. It's, it's, you know, if, if people can get lost in the, um, when, they, when they get married. In, in, uh, in terms of just all the, the freeness, the newness, all the things. And it's like, no, this is supposed to be also regulated. This is a spiritual experience. This is not just, this is not, and, and not just you know, a, 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 a physical experience. This is meant to be, this is meant to be something which you've you're, you, you, you're, you're got your head on straight. This is, the, this, is, this is based on Torah ideas. And if it starts in such a spiritual place, it's not going to just be a, a physical um, relationship as well. So it's sort of, if you think about that, before and afterwards is started with the Torah being there as well. There are those who also say that, um, is that and, that's, and that's what Rev. Lebele Ega says, is that let's, let's start our relationships on, on, a, on a spiritual note. Let it, let it be something. And when you, when you bring a person to shul, and they have to, you know, get in the aliyah, and sometimes today we do the Haftorah, and a chasen has to learn the Haftorah. It's sort of, there's a spiritual dimension in their preparations, not just figuring out what kind of, what, you know, how to tie a bow tie. You know, there's, there's a... Yeah, I know, I know, I know, yes. But the truth is actually, if you look at the, the, the earlier sources, it should be really um, the third aliyah, interestingly enough, more than that. So the practice of Torah, I don't think, is the most consequential, but it is a nice idea to be able to do this as well. Um, now, the candy business, you say, like, where, like what, what's the deal with this? Are we trying to kill him? Like, <laughs> like second bar mitzvah? Like, what, what are we, like, why, why the candy? So um, the, the truth is actually, there is, there, is interesting, like, there is an interesting background to this. Um, the Gemara describes in a few places, like the Gemara in Brachas describes, they would sort of draw the, the, the wine through the pipes. I think they'd draw up the wine to, to be able to, to serve it before the groom and the, and the, and the bride. And they would throw in front of them um, the, these roasted nuts, and, 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 and sorry, roasted grain and nuts during the summer. Not during the rain season. Why? Because, yeah, it's muddy. It's, there's no, there's no, there's, you know, and shul, the, the, the street was, wasn't, wasn't like anything was had, had, you know, floors like we have them today. And then, you can't throw loaves of bread, you can't throw perishable food at them um, during the, the, these, the, these seasons as well. And Rashi explains, this is a siman tov, it's a, a sign of good, of, of, of good muzzle. They, they would take capture the wine as well. And, um, and the, this is the custom, the, the mission in Ksubos describes that this is the custom to, to throw these things. There's lots of Kabbalistic ideas behind this as well. Wine and, and roasted, roasted nuts. And then people go, start going to the gematria of Egos, right? And then, uh, you know, Egos is sin and throwing down the sin. Or maybe ego, it's also the, the, the gematria of Tov. There's a lot of interesting... Uh, Things that, that there's all the Kabbalistic, the Ben Yoyada, the Ben Ishchai over here. This Gemara goes waxes uh, poetic about ideas about Zachar and the Keva and and, and the, the communion. A lot of a lot of very interesting ideas that that relates to this. So this seems to be the practice. Now today we don't we don't do that. Although they call the stall O nuts, right? Let's be honest. That's not what they're selling. <laughs> so today we're uh, it's it's candies and it's it's all kinds of other things. And it's seen as a siman bracha. It's also seen as a siman bracha that the children collect them as well. 
So the, so the children come to the center of the shul around the, the, this, and, and part of it is also seen as a, that, the, that Bezra Hashem, there should be a fruitful relationship, there should be many children in their lives. There's a lot of interesting things that surround this practice as well. And so it's not just a, uh, not, not just a, uh, a, a nonsensical um, 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 relationship as well. Um, so there's a few other things which happen on Shabbos as well, which are worthwhile. Um, and that is, is, um, 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 oh yes, the escort. Most people are not aware of this, but there is a special minag that the, um, that the, that the chosan should be escorted to shul. That was part of, if you remember that Masech HaSofrim is the escort, it was actually describing back from shul. But um, the, the, there is a minag to, to escort the, the, the groom to shul with song, actually. So I don't know if anybody's ever seen this. With song. I don't know if anybody's seen it. It's a very beautiful practice. Yes, it's a very beautiful practice. When I, when I, was, when I was in Neri Yisrael, the people used to have the offer of in Yeshiva. It was very, very beautiful. The showers before, before, uh, before, and, and uh, the Bachram, all the friends would go to the room of the Chassan, like, you know, 10 minutes before davening, and they would sing a slow song with him, like a happy, but a slow song as they walked into the base Medrash. It was a very, very beautiful practice. Oh, yeah, it wasn't just, a, it wasn't just like a party and, and, uh, and, and so on. It was, it was really a very special, a special thing. And some people have that practice as well, if anybody's ever seen that and been, been in, that, in that context. It's a very, very beautiful thing. Um, question is, is what, what about, um, um, what about a, um, uh, wearing a talus? So the, it's an interesting thing because in, let's say, Yekish and Svardik practice, the, the, anyway, before wedding, the young men from the age of 13 wear a talus, right? So that, that being the case, um, that's not even a question. But for Ashkenazim, a young man doesn't wear a talus beforehand. So he should wear a talus for, for the Aliyah. But there's a whole discussion, it's just interesting tangent in Halakha is as to whose talus should, should he wear, because by that time he's probably got a talus. But the, the recommendation is that he doesn't bring his own talus, because if he brings his own talus, he would say a bracha. You can only say a bracha if it's your own talus. So he should take a talus shu'ula, borrow a friend's or the base knesses, and intend not to acquire it, so he doesn't have, he doesn't say a bracha, just interesting <coughs> observation as well. There's an interesting discussion in general, for the men who are aware over here, is, is what happens if you take a talus of the shul, do you say a bracha? It seems in the earlier practice that they were donated to the shul with the intent of it being the person who uses it to say the bracha, but today that's not the practice. You notice that? Most people, they borrow a talus of the shul to not say a bracha on it. We assume that it's not fully their property. To be able to do that, therefore they don't, they don't say a bracha. So that should be the case of the chasen as well. And as I say, they should not put it over his head. That's, that, that would be a practice post-marriage, but not, not, not yet. Um, now, he could put over his head for protection from projectiles later, but not during the, 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 the aliyah itself. Um, what happens if the, the, the Shabbos before the wedding is not possible to be done as the afraf? And this happens a lot of times. Right? Let's say that, that you're coming from a faraway city, and the wedding's on a Sunday, and you have to be staying somewhere else. So, um, actually, we just had a very beautiful thing in our shul. Last Shabbos, we had an offer from a family from L.A. And they didn't do this. They, they made their, their offer of, yeah, part of it was because the boys' 45 friends from YU um, happened to also be on the East Coast. And it's in, it's in session. It's during Yeshiva. So, all here was very, very beautiful. And they made their, their offer of away. But it's hard to do that. It's hard to be the host when you're the guest. So it's a, it's, it's a hard thing to do this kind of, that, that arrangement. So in this case, the Magad Ram actually talks about this and he says, then really it's completely all right to do the Afrof the week before. 
and to make the whole simcha and so on. And it's not necessary to be able to, to do anything special. You can take another aliyah as well. You don't need to make the whole thing because it's meant to be in a certain sense that a person is subsumed in their community, but their community is somewhere else. So let it be with their community. That's the point of it. It, it, it is it let them be surrounded by community. So that sometimes is the practice depending on how it works as well. And also in circumstances where let's say a wedding is pushed off. So you remember during COVID, like it was, it was crazy, right? Do you remember how, how it was? It'd be like, sometimes you get a call in the morning, it's like, they're getting married today. <laughs> right, it was, it was so crazy. So, so let's say that they'd planned to have the wedding and they had the, you know, their socially distanced offer for whatever it was, you know, on a certain day and it just wasn't working out. You know, mom's got COVID. <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do? So then it's pushed off another week. So the Morgan Rob says in such situations, you don't need to redo the offer if that was. It was, it was sufficient. You, you did it as well. The Monday offer of, that's not an offer of. That's a nice opportunity for a party and it's great. It's not an offer of, right? That's not, the offer of is really meant to be the Aliyah on the Shabbos beforehand. Um, and, it's, and, you know, sometimes you'll have the Memorial Day is the Monday or the, you know, the Labor Day Monday. And it'll be convenient to bring the friends in sometimes. There's, not, there's, there's, there's people in the family who medically can't get there, like on a Shabbos, and it's just hard, so I'll do the party on it. On it, on it. It's, it's not the offer of, it's a nice party, it's a pre, and it's, it's, you know, I guess it's the only name we can give it to it. But, but um, and people do that, and it's a beautiful party, and it's understandable, but it's, 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 it's not really what we're talking about over here, but it is a nice, a nice opportunity to celebrate um, together and uh, in, in a different way as well. Um, now, yeah. It's a good question. I don't know. You know, I, 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 I also, I'm always, it always strikes me as strange. I guess I come from out of town to, for this, is that when you split up families the, week, the, the day before the wedding, you know, we have dad here and mom there. And like, you know, I, I thought it was supposed to be like families together. You know, so if that's, if that's the case, I, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of reason, credit for that. Or just to have people together, like for the Shabbos Khaled, it's nice that dad's around as well, you know. For the offer, it's nice that mom's around. Like, it's, it's nice that these things should be arid together. But, you know, nonetheless, it seems the practice has become more complicated just because of, you know, the location and so on. Um, now, um, it, um, it, it is interesting that this whole practice actually is not just the Aliyah. There's the, the, the bigger part of Shabbos, and the bigger part of the Shabbos actually is, um, is, is really the celebration with friends over the course of Shabbos. And this is recognized in Alacha. So there's a, a sefer called Meshulchan uh, Ezer, which and a lot of it's spent talking about marriage. And in the, the sixth chapter, he describes this idea of what's called a, f- a farspiel. Sorry, Rosemary, I think we're out. I think we're out. I don't think we have any. I'm sorry. Um, there's what's called a farspiel, which means, you know, this, this time of, of joy, and it'd be Shabbos afternoon. And there'd be food and friends and singing and Torah. All that, that, that is something which is, which is seen to be um, a part of this, uh, this celebration. Indepe- yes, yeah, sorry. Is it different if the groom had already been married? Good question, yeah. So technically speaking, the chiyov of the aliyah is, is, um, the, 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 it drops when it's, a, when it's a second marriage in terms of the, the, the chiyov of the aliyah. But the other aspects of it, are, are still in place as well. So for instance, this aspect of it is um, yeah, the farspiel part is that people, it doesn't have to be, but people coming together and families celebrating the Shabbos beforehand and there being song and celebration, that seems to be across the board. And that, by the way, is for both the chastan and the kara. And that means to say is that, you know, the aliyah part, you know, that, the, that, that, that part in shul is, 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 is chastan related, but the farspiel place, the part, part of it is clearly 
for both the, the, the guy and the girl. And so if you take a look at uh, in, on page four, in the middle of the page, the large print, it says, is that the friends and the family would go to each of the houses of the groom and the bride and celebrate with them. And that's the Shabbos Kala, that's the, the offer of meal, so to speak. You know, now notice, by the way, that the menu is yain and peros. <laughs> there was no four courses, there was no color scheme. It was just, just <laughs> right. very simple, spending time with each other. And the main point was spending time together. And I often think, by the way, is that sometimes the Ofruf and the Sher Brachas will get there hopefully in a few weeks, but, but, but is, is the, the most special time is, is this time, right? If you think about it, because the wedding is so intense, right? It's, it's so fast, it's so intense, you don't really get to spend time with people. And it's the Shabbos afternoon, or sometimes the Friday night even, where you get to spend time with, first of all, friends and family, because how often is the family all together in that way, number one? But number two is, how often do you get to really spend time with the future Mechutanim? Right, and, and really spend time and, and sort of just get... Now, sometimes you don't want to, right? <laughs> so like, the less time, better. But, but, let's, but let's say, you, you know, everything's working, but you, you, you want to spend time, and, and it's, it's nice to see them in a different environment, and, and the, you know, so the, the, the ties are loosened, and everything is just... And that would that, be the Shabbos and that's the Farshpil, and that's both for the guys and for the girls. It's a very special time um, to be doing this as well. Svaridim, by the way, as, as, as you pointed out, did not do this. Svaridim did not have this offer. They, they don't speak Yiddish, so they did not get this practice. Um, and so it, 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 it comes to the Shabbat Chatan, which we're going to discuss Bezra Hashem later on. The focus is the second one as well. The part I wanted to add over here was about ragging of the, 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 the groom. You know, like so, what's, what's become the practice um, of like just all the, the roast which happens at these at these things. Um, so, so first of all, let's just to clarify the, the point of this whole experience, as is described in that Bryce the Masechah Sofrim. If you remember, what was the what was the mission statement? Why do we recreate the essentials? The way he says, so as to to what end? To what end? He says, chesed in order to do kindness to them. So like, the point of this is to make it a good experience for them. So I always like wondered like, where, um, like how, does this, how does this work precisely? Like, so you, sometimes you'll go to these, these, these off-roofs and, like, and they'll be like, serious roasts, you know? Sometimes you can sort of, you know, sort of get, you want to go lower and lower and lower under the table as you disappear. <laughs> I love that Limut Schuss, Baruch. That's the best Limut Schuss I've, I've heard. That's wonderful. Public video. Um, this, is, this is wonderful. So the truth is, is that I was, I was looking around for this. I, I was trying to find if anybody talks about this particular practice and like where it comes from and why and why, why people are doing this. Found nothing. Um, and uh, for, free, for, you, uh, for a few reasons. The first is, is that I don't think it is a Jewish practice. Um, so, for instance, just um, as, as an interesting aside, from the Urban Dictionary, I quote, The bachelor party may not always be appropriate for younger guys or re older relatives. So this is a great way for all the important men in the groom's life to celebrate him by spending the afternoon together and having a little fun at his expense. Public, appropriate, comedic insults, praise, outlandish true stories and uplifting tributes. The groom knows that it's all fun and is able to be a good sport about it. The groom will be roasted by all those who wish to do it, with the same treatment possibly coming their way too. It's, uh, it's hosted by the groomsmen who pick the theme. The groom will like sports, gaming, poker, and bring everything together with food, drinks, and some good laughs. I believe that that's where the roast of the offer comes from. It's completely a secular and inappropriate practice. 
Um, and so, so I would say, so let's be honest about it. It's a, it's a Western, secular, inappropriate practice, which has made its way into Judaism. Um, now, let's, let, let's come back and say, is there a model in Judaism where, it's a, where, where, where we, we talk about such things? So I was thinking about this a little bit, and the answer is, is yes, actually, is, is, the question is, is that tightrope that a person walks is found in the Purim Spiel, if you think about it, right? So there is a discussion that's, that's, uh, that goes around when talking about the Purim Spiel. The Purim Spiel is a time where people are feeling levity, they're feeling happy, and a lot of times in yeshivas or in shuls, they would do like a spiel, like, and it'll be like a really nice thing. And if, if done well, is in most incredibly uplifting experience, right? Um, it's very, it, the, the, the lyrics, the ideas, the, sometimes the grumman are so, so creative. In fact, I really highly recommend if anybody has an opportunity to buy Rabbi Feldman's book called False Facts and True Rumors. It's an excellent, excellent rendition on Lashon Hara. And, um, and what he does is he not only just um, summarizes the main points in an excellent way, but he also has an, a, a, an area of application in modern times. So, for instance, he has a section on journalism, internet, social media, checking information, group polarization, cost of speed. He has a lot of really interesting applications today. And in it, he has a section talking about the Purim Spiel. And it's worthwhile noting that the, the Purim Spiel was something which was a debated topic even in, in Eastern Europe, in the yeshiva world. So, for instance, it was, it was said that Rav Cook, when he was in the yeshiva in Velozhin, Velozhin was sort of seen as the, the center of the modern um, you know, the, the newer yeshiva system in the 1800s, post the medieval system, which sort of faded away. So the Velozhin was the mother of all yeshivas before it was closed down by the Russian government. Um, and, uh, and Rav Kook, all the greats of, you know, of, 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 of yesteryear went to Velozhin. So Rav, when Rav Kook was there, when he was a Bachar, he did an impression of the Nitziv, who was the, the Nitziv, Rav Natali Tzihud of Berlin, who was the Rosh Hashiva, or the co-Rosh Hashiva at the time, and, he, you know, able to speak in his voice with his, uh, you know, accent and his intonation and so on. And it was later on in his life that in his issue of Merkaz Rav, later on, the great-grandson of the, of the Nitziv did a spiel on him. And he felt, and he, and he felt that that was, uh, he felt that that was, uh, it was, uh, it was uh, the, 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 the kapara for his uh, having done that, even though he did it with great, with, great, uh, with great care. They say, in fact, they say about, uh, there's a famous story about a Purim Shebel, about Rav Chaim Briska, also at that time, the, the other Kurosh Shiva of Velozhin at the, at the later time. They say about the Rav Chaim that there was, a, there was a time that there was a Bachar who was doing a Purim Shebel about him and was, and was, uh, and was, uh, was imitating Rav Chaim, mannerisms, where he was saying it in the application. And it was so profound, and Rav Chaim started crying in the middle of the Purim Spiel. So, like you can imagine, the guy on stage must have felt absolutely terrible. Like, that's, that's the worst thing you can possibly do, is get Rav Chaim to cry. And so, like, he stopped immediately, and he came over, and he apologized. He was distraught. Uh, and Rav Chaim, and he, he said, I was so sorry, I did not mean to, to, to insult the Rosh Hashiva. And, and, and Rav Chaim says, no, he said, I'm not, I'm not crying. About the, about the insult, he says, I was crying, he says, because when I saw how well you were imitating me, I realized that I'm imitating myself most of the time. <laughs> that a powerful observation? When you see yourself from the outside, he says, most of the time I'm acting who I want to act like, but I'm not really genuine, authentically myself. Now, that, 
Let us absorb that observation by oneself. There's a lot one can learn through these things as well. But nonetheless, throughout the process of this, there were those who were much more concerned about it. So let me give you an ex- an, uh, just two examples. The Oz Nidbaru, Rav Zilba, talks about in the last chalik, in the 14th chalik um, of his Shalas and Shavas, and he talks about this and he quotes the Ramam. The Ramam says that derech schoik, that if a person is insults another person in a joking manner, it was, it was just a joke, right? He says, well, what, where, where does that fall halachically? So some people say it's avak lo shenara, because it's like it's not really, you didn't say anything, you kind of, it was an in, in, intim, intimation, it was, uh, it was a hint. Whereas he says, no, it's actually, anyway, he is medayak in the Rambam, he says it's actually Lashonara itself, right? I mean, say it's, it's biblical Lashonara, it's not just avak Lashonara as well. But more, I, I say most powerfully is in the, the words of the Atar Lamelech. Who, know, who, who knows who the Atar Lamelech is? It's a person who did not, most people make their, write their books with their name in it. This is a person who did not want his name in, in the title of the book because of his humility. Makes a lot of sense because that's Rav Avram Pam. Right, so so just to, uh, this is very much, and the way he writes is the way he was, so gentle, so such a f- refined person. Even the examples he gives after this paragraph are not about bad; they're all about good examples. But nonetheless, he says Wadin, he be inyan amiras gramen. So he's talking about Purim, and he says like you know people do these gramen, and there's so many beautiful things where you see the word plays on a really good gramen and a really good spiel, unbelievable, unparalleled. When I was in Karim Yavne, the Purim shiur was so profound. These guys made songs out of like the most complex of concepts. It was really, really, I mean, these were artworks. But nonetheless, he says, Amiras de Graman, Yecholalios Tavarna E, Im Ein Ma'arichin Bar Kalus Rosh, Ma'arivin Bar Kalus Rosh. If you don't mix into it, you know, levity, let's say, no, so Kadamer, and, you know, um, this uh, this sarcasm. He says, It enters into the area of, of uh, levity. It has to be very careful about what one says about others. God forbid to hurt anybody else. People say, Purim is a license to say whatever you want. Everybody's definitely going to forgive you. It's Purim after all. It's all, it's all lifted. He says, who should say that's the case? person in, in Hassad is hurt. But they're like, I have to laugh about it because otherwise it wouldn't be the case. That's not the way to do this. And he said that the Chavetz Chaim would say about people in the next thing, he says, He said, the Chavetz Chaim used to say that, um, that, that, that the fool would make out of gold dust and out of dust gold. So no, the wise person would make dust, uh, dust into gold and the, and the fool would make gold into dust. And that's sort of the way that, that, that people do it. And, um, and that's, that's, that was his observation about Purim as well. And, uh, and it, it takes me back to William Shakespeare and King Leo, which says, many a true word hath been spoken in jest. And people say it was just a joke, you're right. But it's very hard to retract that joke and it's, uh, to say it. And I always find it so amazing at these off-roffs, because what happens is you have the future father-in-law there and the future brothers-in-law there. And I've walked out of many of these things and forget the fact that there's a rabbi. We've, we're like, we've passed that in, in uh, you know, like, you know, that, that, that stage of embarrassment, apparently. But I'm like, where I feel uncomfortable being in these things. 
Um, but like, it's how could you not be embarrassed as friends to say things that you said about the chosan in front of the future mechutan? It's like I, 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 I've walked out sometimes saying to myself, like, how in the world could you say that? And we create that situation because, well, because we want to laugh. So everybody's there waiting to laugh. So we allow these friends to say the most atrocious of things. It's like, it's like you're like searching for the most denigrated story. It's not appropriate. It's just not appropriate. That's a bachelor's party. But we're Jews. We're not doing bachelor's parties. We're doing an offroff. An offroff is to pull a person up. And there's many ways to do it, but there's ways not to do it. And I think it's important to notice that difference. And it's fine to have fun, but we walk that same tightrope on Borim which is there's beautiful things, there's beautiful ways to make jokes about good things, but we don't have to recount every, you know, every story which should have been forgotten um, and, and embellished in the way that it is. And I think it's, it's, it's so important to, to appreciate that, especially as we're doing this. And I remember Rav Sobolowski would say, there's no greater opportunity to, to perform more Isuri Daraisa than the Afrov. He says this to his boys. <laughs> like because, you know, you send these guys in and this is what they're about to do. So it's important to do this and I, I think it's important to, to appreciate this. But it's more than this. I, I think that, and this is where it comes down to. And this is about the Chosen and the Kala. And that is, is the Zohar says the following observation. And I'm going to close this because it's so profound and it's about, it, it affects every week of ours. But especially this week. The Zohar says, quoting in the second Chedek in Pechez, says, Zohar Zema Shabbos Lekad Shoy, Rabbi Yisak Omar, Ksiv, so on the one hand it says Hashem blessed the seventh day. On the other hand it says Hashem asked us to collect man for six days and on the seventh day not to collect it. It says, How could it be? Hashem is giving you blessing but there's no way to get the blessing because there's nothing to collect. You're not at work. Right, so isn't blessing supposed to be plenty, but I have no way of getting the plenty. Right, so how, how do I get the plenty that I'm supposed to be blessed with? Like, what, where, what's the mechanism to allow it, asks the Zohar. Very basic question, and the Zohar says the most profound observation. It says, This is how we should understand it. Any bracha, which I'm about to see in the next six days, are dependent upon that Shabbos beforehand. So why is the manna not found on the seventh day? Because that's where the six following days are about to receive all the blessing. That's where it's, where it's found. Meaning, what happens on Sunday and Monday and all the deals and all the opportunities and all the doors that open? That comes from Shabbos beforehand, which is why when we're about to have a very special occasion in life, Shabbos becomes the context in which we celebrate what's about to happen. So it's about to be a wedding. So Shabbos is the time where we prepare spiritually for what's about to happen. And by the way, this takes us back to that the Simcha Spas Neshama Zacher in a certain sense as well. Right? This adds another layer to whenever there's a Simcha in the week, Shabbos becomes the context in which people celebrate it. And it's not just because we're off work and we have time to do it, right? It's also spiritually, that's where all the manna is going to be found as well um, um, during the course of the week. And as I said, that's why it is so profound and important. So when thinking about this, there's such a tremendous <coughs> spiritual um, element to it. And, um, and we should be able to celebrate it in the right way, celebrate it appropriately for both the chos and both the color for many, many years to come. And for those who've had the opportunity of doing their mazinkas, Mez Hashem, you should be able to do it for the next round as well. Bez Hashem at the right, at, at the right time. And uh, for those of us who have not yet seen the closing of that loop, we should all be able to, ha to have that closing of the loop. Thank you.